let's listen right now to the, I call the wind Mariah. Let's listen to that song. Way out here, they got a name for rain and wind and fire. Uh. The rain is Tess, the fire's Joe, and they call the wind Mariah. Mariah blows the stars around and sends the clouds a flying. Mariah makes the mountains sound like folks were up there dying. Let's play Bing Copeland. Speaking of wind, which is what today's show's about, the wind of chance. Let's play Bing Copeland talking about when he saw the wind change and he knew his life was about to change. Bing Copeland. I remember I went out for baseball at Maricosta High School. I went out for baseball. And uh, I was left-handed. I wanted to be a first baseman. And about the fourth or fifth day of... of, uh, tryouts and stuff. I remember looking up at the flag at the school and was blowing offshore at three o'clock in the afternoon. I, and I went, I got to get out of here. So I went back to the beach. And, and yeah, they definitely, uh, yeah, we weren't, look, you know, we, we, we would run around barefoot all the time and uh, let our hair grow a little too long. And we, we were not widely accepted in those days. I love the world of art, the world of sports, the world of surgery. So there's Bing Copeland telling you about his his heart started to beat when he saw the offshore winds and knew his the ocean was calling. Now we're going to listen. Let's first listen to Robert Goulet sing from Camelot, If Ever I Should Leave You. I just want you to listen to the talent of Robert Goulet, who's better known as Bobby when you hear Lerner and Lowe speak. But let's hear a little bit of Robert Goulet. If ever I would leave you, it wouldn't be in summer. This is from Camelot. You in summer, One of the greatest Broadway musicals. Now let's listen to Maurice Chevalier singing from Gigi. And the reason I'm playing this now is you're going to hear these two men who wrote these songs talk about the world of chance and the wind of chance and change. Four little girls get bigger every day. This is Maurice Chevalier, born in 1888. So now let's listen to the Broadway of Learn Low, one and two. Listening to Bobby, Fritz and I were just talking about the capriciousness of chance in a theatrical career. Yes, take the case of Bobby. It was a matter of five minutes. We were about to leave for Europe to look for Lancelot for Camelot. We thought we'd seen everyone on this side of the ocean. Five minutes before we left the office, an agent called and pleaded with us to listen to Bobby. A matter of five minutes. Yes, and so a theatrical career began. Marie Chevalier was telling us that he was singing in a little cafe in Paris for nothing when an old professional just happened to overhear him and suggested the audition for a local music hall. He did, and he got his first professional job. Incidentally, do you happen to know when that was? In 1901. Yes, and with that audition, I suppose, began one of the most amazing theatrical careers of our time. And even more amazing, Alan, after 60 years, 
he's still as eager and enthusiastic as he must have been the day he began. The wind, the wind may be blowing, but it can appear in other ways as well. And you got to be ready, whether in sports, in art or in surgery. The way these two guys actually even met was happenstance. The wind blew in the right direction. Let's hear Alan J. Lerner being interviewed with Tony Thomas. We'll go one through six. Mr. Lerner, you said a little while ago you met Fritz Lowe, Frederick Lowe. Well, that's uh, a simplification. I mean, how, how do you meet a man with whom you're going to do such marvelous work? Well, I suppose the stars were looking down on us that day. I was uh, in, in the Lambs Club, which is an actors and writers club in New York City. And as I was on the way to the uh, to wash my hands, actually, uh, Fritz Lowe was sitting at a table in the, in the restaurant. And he, he said, stop me. And he said, uh, say, you write lyrics, don't you? And I said, uh, yes, I did. Uh, two years ago at college. And he said, uh, well, I don't have a lyricist. Do you want to write with me? Well, I didn't even know who he was. I just said yes. So on the, probably because I thought anybody who was a member of the Lambs Club must be a genius, you see. Well, I didn't <laughs> realize he was. And we started working together just, just like that. So we met that afternoon and started to work. Well, it, it sounds feasible. <laughs> <laughs> Not believable, but that's, that's, that's exactly the way it happened. It was one of the happiest meetings in theatrical history because the two of you seemed to get along professionally, splendidly. I mean, the music and the lyrics were just a marvelous combination. Well, we were together 18 years, so that's, that's quite a hunk out of everybody's life. Uh, the, the question to ask is, why did you stop? Well, we stopped, unfortunately, because Fritz, in 1958, had a massive coronary. And he had a very bad heart attack. And... Uh, he felt, he, he decided he would try once more with Camelot, but he was terribly concerned about his health as well he should be. And uh, he's older than I am, he's 17 years older than I am. And he, you see the world, I must interrupt myself, there are two kinds of composers in a way. There are those who compose with their fingers, in other words, who improvise, and there are those who sort of compose in their head, the way Kurt Wilder say did. But Fritz was a, a finger composer. He sat at the piano and he really sweated it out at the piano. And he was afraid that the passion that he put into composing was a strain on his heart. Now, whether it is or was or not, uh, is immaterial, because as long as he thought so, that could do the damage. And I think with good logic, he said to himself, why should I go through this and why should I agonize? And uh, it'll deprive, it would have deprived him of all the joy of creating. And so he decided to retire. And that was the reason we stopped working together. Just a matter of life or death. Exactly. Bing Copeland's going to talk about that. At age 75, he realized he was done surfing because he physically just couldn't do it anymore.